Hello everyone, Jerry Lee here for The Manifester. God bless you for having you on, and we're looking forward to an exciting time. May the Lord just uh, cause your ears and mind and thoughts to be perked, and with all that percolation, uh, we'll just take off into the interesting subject of uh, regeneration. Now, um, the subject of regeneration is a deep one, and it's a controversial one, but uh, being controversial is not anything new to the manifest memory. Uh, or to the manifest ministry. Uh, but we aren't interested in just being controversial to be controversial. And we don't say that when the things that we teach and believe are uh, controversial to other persons, that that makes us better than them, smarter than them, uh, or any of those kind of things. And we don't say that those people are not needed because we don't believe that. And we don't believe in judging those other groups or churches or people that believe differently. We just want to love them because they are a part of us, uh, maybe on a different uh, stair step, but uh, we're all on the same staircase. So God bless them and keep them and cause his face to shine upon them and give them peace. <clears throat> okay. So, we're talking about a subject, uh, we call it re-ingeneration, and there is a reason we call it re-ingeneration, and that we do not call it reincarnation. Now, in all uh, forthrightness, uh, the word reincarnation is not an incorrect word, it's just that over the years... Uh, the concept of reincarnation uh, has become attached to a lot of different doctrinal interpretations uh, and it has in the minds of people uh, changed what they think reincarnation means the minute they hear the word reincarnation so in order to not be associated with those um, sort of uh, burnt-in factors of memory. Uh, we uh, studied before the Lord, waited before the Lord as to uh, how to say it, and, and what we had received was the term uh, re-ingeneration, uh, because um, the word regeneration, of course, is a very much Bible word. Now, uh, I have to ask you folks to sort of brace yourself uh, there will be things that you will hear that you're not familiar with there will be uh, uh, teachings that may seem too complex for you but don't uh, let that uh, throw you uh, give it some time because after all uh, on any subject whether it's a uh, you know a liturgical subject or a subject that has to do with the the uh, world complexes uh, or schooling or whatever jobs you name it uh, it takes a process of learning uh, to get down something that you're not familiar with and to understand it so uh, be patient uh, you know they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength 
They shall mount up with wings as eagles. So that's what we want you to be able to do, but you do need to, to have the, um, the patience that it takes. Now, in the nine gifts of the, of the uh, Bible, the Bible mentions about a list of different uh, types of gifts that are given to humankind to help them, uh, you know, uh, fulfill the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, the, the uh, hand of God ministry. And, uh, and it mentions these gifts. And there are uh, three that I'd like to just briefly mention here is the gift of helps and the wisdom and the gift of knowledge. Now, just based on those three gifts that are available, when we start to talk about, uh, well, okay, is this exact particular thing precisely written that way in the Bible? Uh, well, we have the gifts that are helps, and the term is general. And so it means that God will give us these helps, and these helps come under the umbrella of the Bible by coming under the general term helps. So in that sense, uh, as we as as uh, the the nature of uh, creation advances on Earth, and uh, new things uh, uh, develop in science, uh, in philosophy, in religion. Um, we are covered because we have the gift of helps that will uh, give us things that will help us to go right along uh, with the times, go right along with, with, uh, with, the, with both that which is past, that which is present, and that which is to come. All covered under the Alpha and the Omega, which is... God in both cases. And the also application of the gift called wisdom and the gift called knowledge uh, incorporated within those words, uh, uh, words which are also general, uh, there is all kinds of availability of the things that the Bible itself tells us. That there is natural wisdom and there is a spiritual wisdom. And the natural wisdom cannot know the mysteries of God. The natural wisdoms and knowledge, the natural knowledge cannot know, cannot understand the mysteries of God. Uh, but the deep things of the Spirit can be understood. The mysteries of God can be understood uh, by those that are into the deeper spiritual levels. Uh, 60-fold, 100-fold understanding of the word. So then, um, we see that there is a provision within the term of the gift help, within our helps, plural, within the term of the gift of wisdom and knowledge, uh, a generalization that's going to cover anything that ever was, anything that is, and anything that is ever to be. Because uh, incorporated in wisdom, incorporated in knowledge, incorporated in helps, uh, is going to be uh, uh, covered by any of those tenses. 
and 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 covered by those tenses uh, as it is applied to uh, to any of these uh, terms like helps, wisdom, and knowledge. And so we're covered, ladies and gentlemen. And you don't need to worry. And someone tell you, say, well, is that in the Bible? Because come on, if you were to say, okay, I cannot do uh, anything unless it's in the Bible. Uh, okay, uh, you're in a mess then, because there's a lot of things not in the Bible uh, that are specifically named as you're trying to get it to be specifically named. And if you're into that specifically named thing, and you're going to just eat only foods that are named in the Bible, and uh, you're going to just dress only with clothes that are named in the Bible, and only talk the terms that are in the Bible, and any other words that anybody uses, you will just discard them, because they're not written in the Bible. So, you know, if you're going to get specific or touchy with the interpretation of a scripture, based on, well, look, does is this, you know, exactly in the Bible this way? What we are looking for... Uh, is not the uh, specific uh, spilled out form of a translation because we understand by the parables that Jesus gave that even the forms that were given that were called law and had that legal bounding uh, and binding kind of name to it uh, were only shadows and types so they were very flexible and and uh, wavery uh, of vibrations. Uh, uh, they they were not some kind of concrete form, and we begin to understand that what we really have to have to really get into uh, the things of the spirit is to be in the spirit on the Lord's day, as John was, and and to get into the spirit on the Lord's day, uh, you are certainly going to have to have lots of experiences with love because love is the energy uh, that can take you through every storm through every misunderstanding can take you through every fault and over every difficulty uh, that that you may have caused or someone else may have caused against you so that is the word to start this off with now the idea of reincarnation you know it It breaks down. Uh, the word re means again. And uh, the, uh, the word into carn uh, means uh, flesh. And the word ion uh, means uh, the process. Uh, explains the parts of the words. So what it, this is saying, uh, this means... Uh, coming into flesh again. That's what the word uh, reincarnation means. And it's basically a story about about coming into flesh again. Now, the, the, the difference of reincarnation and regeneration is that uh, regeneration is not limited uh, to coming uh, back uh, just into the flesh. Uh, there are states of consciousness and uh, there are other kinds of states uh, that that um, do, does not necessarily mean coming back into the flesh uh, but that's for a whole lot more uh, discussion and, and in-depth uh, study so 
let's uh, let's get on with uh, some of this stuff. And I would like you to start with me all of the way back to the book of Genesis. So if you go to the book of Genesis, and uh, we're going to look right there, and we're going to see um, to see what we want to talk about. So Genesis chapter three. And verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden, to tell the ground from whence he came. Drove out the man, he placed it to the east of the Garden of Eden, with cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now, to begin with, it's very obvious that there was a different kind of plan that was available for man than what we have today. There was a different kind of knowledge that was available. And that knowledge and that plan uh, included that we would be able, by eating of the tree of life, to perpetuate the physical regeneration of life. We could keep regenerating our physical life. And we know that from the the uh, uh, the listing of uh, the lives of uh, these people that were born from the children of uh, Adam and Eve that um, uh, they they lived uh, you know some very very long lives and uh, and those uh, you know we were talking hundreds and hundreds of, of years uh, you know and that is very very important to understand, uh, like uh, Methuselah, uh, he lived 969 years. 969 years. And, and so, uh, if you took uh, all of the average of the lives that are listed, then uh, we, in our average lifetimes that we live today, would only roughly be living one-twelfth the time that they lived. So uh, that would be quite a difference, would it not, to have, um, you know, 12 twelves time of a life as compared to our uh, 70, 80 years, which is this life average that it is given to us as it mentions it in Psalms uh, 90. Of course, that is also mentioned uh, by um, uh, Moses in the Old Testament. Anyway, let's um, let's go forward with this and and see where this takes us. If then there was a longevity that was uh, being set up, where where you know your cells would just regenerate, they would constantly regenerate, and as long as you had this fruit of the tree of life. You would constantly regenerate. Your body would would uh, keep you alive physically, 
on and on and on and on. And then I guess, uh, well, I don't guess, but then, of course, uh, at any time that you progressed enough, uh, even though you still have a body of flesh, uh, you could uh, be transported uh, to a higher plane. And someone might say, a higher plane? What do you mean by that? You mean we just go to heaven, right? Um, no, that's not exactly what I do mean. Although heaven is a very... Uh, elusive word because uh, it comes from a, from a word that means to heave up and uh, so to actually really understand what heaven is uh, needs a lot of explanation and that's not the subject tonight but we're going to talk on it uh, some of these different things but uh, we have to understand when Elijah was taken up when um, Enoch was taken up they were in fleshly bodies uh, they uh, in Genesis Enoch was still a flesh person in the second Kings Elijah was still a flesh person and uh, they were taken up alive now where did they go did they go to the most natural thing that you would want to say did they go to to this place of heaven uh, where they were with the saints of God uh, but in their fleshly bodies uh, I, I could tell you absolutely not uh, the Bible says that flesh and blood can not, can not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Flesh and blood can not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's different kinds of heavens. We know that in the book of Genesis, even our firmament is called heaven. And so we understand that, uh, that going back into history, uh, there are certain... Um, uh, planets and certain constellations uh, that that um, uh, various uh, you know astrologers of ancient times and and people who studied the stars uh, called heavens or heaven, but that was not re re referring to a spirit heaven. It was referring to physical heavens. And uh, there every atmosphere <clears throat> that surrounds every planet system uh, would have its own heaven, just as this earth has the firmament heaven. And then there would be the spaces above that and the spaces uh, out uh, from uh, the system, and those would all be called heavens. Uh, because there is still the uh, vibrational magnetic influences that were all a part of the system, and they were all part of the term heaven. So understanding that, let's take this a little further. Where did Elijah, where did, uh, you know, uh, Enoch go? Well, you know, they went to the Father's house. The Father's house is located, uh, you know, in this galaxy. And uh, it is uh, located uh, in the system of, of the Little Dipper. And um, there's a whole story to that. And I don't, I'm not, I, you can get into the blogs and, and read more of this if you, if you want to go back into that. But um, to make this story important and interesting to you, uh, that's where they went. So uh, they obviously went to a place that. Uh, was more into a situation of of having access 
to either the tree of life or something awfully close to it. Now, I actually uh, would like to do a teaching sometime. I, I think I have in the past. I've done so many teachings, hard to recollect all of them. But where the scripture shows that the that uh, not only was the Ark of the Covenant moved to heaven, which was a physical place, not the not the spirit place, uh, the tree of life was also moved, and there is scripture for that. But uh, that won't be for right now. We'll we'll keep that uh, for the for the coming thing. But let's get back to the point that we're making. The point that we're making is that the plan from the very beginning of soul man, Adam was the first man with the soul with a soul, not the first human being. There were thousands and thousands and thousands, uh, maybe millions of human beings uh, before Adam, uh, but they did not have souls. They were the Pison, the Hedekel, the, the Gihon, you know, some Euphrates. These were, were rivers that were genetic rivers, and they were, were waters, as it describes in the 17th chapter of Revelations, that they represent, the waters represent nations, people, tongues, and kindreds, and so forth. So um, there's lots of Bible for that. That's just one little teeny bitty uh, uh, confirmation, but it's all through the Bible, this thing about waters representing people. Okay, so now we've got that. Uh, let's, let's fold it in a little bit more. So we have the idea here that the plan was for people to have longevity. To have longevity so that all they would do is eat this tree of life and they could, um, they could just, they could live. And then when, when the, uh, when Eve committed the transgression, which the Bible says in Timothy that she did, that, that Adam did not commit transgression, but she did, uh, then, uh, that, and then Adam took on her sins by partaking so that she would not be uh, separated from him and taken away from him uh, because he loved her. He loved Eve and, and he wanted her to be saved. So he took on her sins, which was a, a type of what he would be doing later as Jesus when he took on the sins of the world. And um, Eve, uh, she would come back and she would be Mary and she would birth Christ. And, and, the, and she was a virgin, and that was important because uh, her child was going to be born through deferred uh, progeny, which means that within every human being, number one, the Bible says we're all of the same blood, and number two, we all have genetics that go all the way back to Adam. So those Adamic genetics... Uh, which had been deferred uh, were brought forward and and uh, uh, that's why we call Jesus the son of Adam okay now um, <clears throat> going on uh, so the intent has always been to be able to continue living in in the flesh until you have the time whatever amount of time it would take to fulfill overcoming and this tree of life is a testament that it was understood by God it was understood by the angels 
that the process of overcoming was not going to be simple, Simon. It was not going to be an easy thing because, number one, you did not have access to God consciousness. Number two, you did not have access as a result of that to the memory of who you were before you came into these human body prisons uh, and, and, and the, the chain cells that uh, have you wrapped in them and imprisoned in them. And so <clears throat> that is so absolutely phenomenally important. It's absolutely incredibly important that you get this story here because without this basis, you won't really know if you're coming or you're going. And we'd like to know that you did know that. All right? Excuse me. I've got a light right by me here that really, really gives me good light. But it's right close to me, and it just puts out tremendous amount of heat. <clears throat> okay, so let's get that down. Let's get that down that, um, <clears throat> that the plan was for longevity of life. And we see how long, like Methuselah, you know, which name, by the way, meant son of a dart. And that's very, very interesting since he was the son of Enoch uh, who uh, <coughs> went back and forth like a dart uh, uh, in those this uh, that he was taken up in uh, when God took him. All right, now um, let's go then to um, Malachi. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. So if you just go to the end of the Old Testament, then you will be in Malachi. That should not be too difficult for you to find. <coughs> and um, uh, at the at, right after the right after the after Malachi, in my Bible it says the end of the Old Testament. And just over to the right side it says the New Testament. So that is the last book. Now, Jesus said all of the prophets see injury. Sorry for that. <clears throat> all of the prophets prophesied, you know, uh, un, 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 unto, unto Christ. And uh, we'll read that scripture to get it more exact here in a little bit. I'm sort of paraphrasing right now. But <clears throat> let's read something very important. What it says, chapter 4, verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers Least I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now I think it should be pretty clear that God would not want the coming Messiah to come and, and in his coming just smite the earth with a curse. So it's obviously his plan that he will send Elijah the prophet. Now Let's get this straight. Let's get this straight because I think this is important. Um, when we begin to understand 
when we begin to understand this, we see that um, we, we, we see that, that um, there is some declarations here. Behold, that's an exclamation almost. I will send you Elijah the prophet. Now that uh, is very specific. And um, <clears throat> the prophet. So it's not just Elijah, but Elijah the prophet. The ministry that he had was prophet ministry. I will send you Elijah with the prophet ministry before the coming of the day of the Lord. Now that's a word. Now, if um, uh, you turn to Matthew 17, I want to read something there. And we want to see what Jesus says about that. We want to see what Jesus says about it. Okay? Matthew 17. Here is, here is what it says. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elijah must first come? Now get this must, you know. And, and, and remember, this scripture that we read to you in Malachi says this is what's going to happen. And it has to happen, otherwise when, he, when the Messiah comes, it will be, be a curse. And the scribes say, Elijah must first come. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias, which is just a transliteration of Elijah, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elijah is, is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them, then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. Now, I don't know how you would need to have clearer language than that. I really don't. And I know people can always find a way to get around it. We're going to cover some things both ways. But this is a must situation. And Jesus is agreeing with Malachi. And he's saying, yes, that is precisely right. What the scribes are saying is, is, is scripturally correct. Uh, Elijah does have to come before the Messiah. And um, if the Elijah, if the Elijah has not come, then I am not the Messiah. Only if Elijah has come, am I the Messiah. Now, let me tell you something, people. If you're having a problem believing that Elijah could be re-ingenerated into a body born of a mother called Elizabeth of the Holy and born of the Holy Spirit in a body called John so that he was re-ingenerated. Some people say re incarnated, but regenerated. And if you say, no, I don't believe that. I do not believe that John was Elijah. Well, then neither do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the coming Lord. Because those two things are tied together. 
You cannot have one without the other. <clears throat> Even the scribes of old knew that. It was the last writ in the Old Testament. It concluded the Old Testament and set the beginning of the new. If you don't believe that Elijah came, not not in the just the spirit of or in the uh, the representation of. No, that's not what it says here. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Now, <coughs> listen, um, listen to something very interesting. Just a moment. I want to read something here that uh, I think you'll you'll find interesting. Um, in Luke one eleven. Luke one eleven. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall be shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go forth before him in the spirit and the power of Elias or Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, Wherefore shall I know this? I am an old man, my wife well stricken in age. And the angel goes on and says, I am Gabriel, and I am sent to speak to you and to show you these things. Now, the very thing that it said in Malachi is that that he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers and Zacharias is being told by the angel that this is the very thing that is being put on John and that um, that he that he will go before him before the Messiah in the spirit and the power of Elijah now this doesn't mean in the representation of, but what it is saying when it said the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, it's just a verification of Malachi that he is going to have the spirit of Elijah and he's going to have the power of Elijah. And that's exactly what it is saying. And so here it is, <clears throat> right in the Bible. We have it clear. We have it absolute. Uh, it's beautiful. Just beautiful. 
Absolutely beautiful. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Uh, while we're on the subject, let's just look at a few other verses. Let's look at Mark 9. Uh, so if you'll turn with me to Mark 9. And Mark comes right after Matthew. So Mark 9, everyone. Okay. And uh, we'll just read and see what it says. We're talking Mark 9 and verse 11. And they asked him, saying, Why say the scribes that Elijah must come first? And he answered and told them, Elias or Elijah must uh, verily cometh first, and restoreth all things. And how it is written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be said at naught. But I say unto you that Elijah is indeed come. And they have done unto him whatsoever the list as it is written of him. Okay. And then one other scripture on this. On this um, um, Matthew eleven twelve. Matthew eleven twelve. Now this is simple stuff. I mean, I, a lot of you should know this. But we have to cover it for everybody. So that the ones that don't know it uh, can hear it. If they're online here, they need to hear it. Okay. So, okay. Now, uh, 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 verse 11. And and uh, uh, here's some interesting things. Um, verse 11, verse, uh, verse uh, chapter 11, verse 12 of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence; violence taketh it, it uh, by force. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, then there is a word here. Uh, uh, the preposition that is a descriptive word that says, okay, here's why. This is a because word. Because are for all the prophets and the law prophesied unto John. Now, get a hold on this. Get a hold on this. All the prophets, all the law prophesied unto John. And the last thing that it prophesied unto is the coming of Elijah again. That's how it ends. He shall turn the hearts of the fathers. He will come again. That's how it ends. So he is really called here in this scripture. He is called John. And if you will receive it, and Jesus knew that people would find it difficult to receive that. They'd have some excuse. This is Elijah, which was to come. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Okay. So, there we are to that. And and uh, uh, that is very important. And that is something that uh, you really need to eat it up and get it into your heart so that you know it. And so that you have confidence that uh, it is the word of God. Okay, now um, we're going to go to um, uh, to one of the scriptures that is a big bump in the road. People always, when you start talking about living uh, more than one life, uh, they are always quoting this particular scripture, um, and that is uh, Hebrews nine twenty seven. You know, and they quote this. They say, "Well, it's appointed to men once to die, and then the judgment, and then the judgment." 
Okay, let's let's look at this. Uh, let, let me hear. Let me get into Hebrews real fast and just get that ready for developing a little bit. Okay, Hebrews uh, chapter nine. Here we are. All right. Now, first, let's get a couple things straight. Um, this is very important. When the when they were translating the the Bible, the cortex that was in Greek to Latin, and they were getting ready to put this into the Latin Vulgate to create the Latin Vulgate. Something happened that was a misreading, a mistake. And what that mistake was, was in the original Greek that they translated it from the Greek to the Latin, Vulgate. The word once is located before the word men, not after the word men. So the way that it is translated, it is translated, and listen to this, it's important, verse 27, chapter 9, Hebrews, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but that is not the way it was originally written. It was originally written, and, and this is going to sound like it's, it's the same thing, but it's not. It is, it is appointed once men die, then judgment. It is appointed once men die, then judgment. Not it is appointed unto men once to die, and then the judgment. No. That was not the original Greek that the Latin Vulgate was translated from. And that is so important because that has so misled so many, many people. It is appointed once men die. Now, once you die, once you go through grade three, then you get, you get judged for what your grades were, what work you've done, your attendance, and that makes a decision as to whether you'll go into lower or higher grades of English, what kind of grade level of math that you're able to go into, and many other decisions that are made based on what your grade will be. And that follows you all the way through school and all the way, all the way through life and everything. That there's a period of transition a period of learning and a period of being, um, you know, judged would be one way of putting it. Uh, uh, there are many other terms we could use, but let's just use that because it's Bible language. And uh, <clears throat> that is so important. So very, 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 very important. Just the changing of that word once to before men, not after men, is that it's appointed once for men die. Now, why is that in the context 
the context of, of the scripture because it goes back as you will see um, in the Old Testament time um, what happened verse 25 yet not yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. In the Old Testament, they had to continuously make the sacrifice. And they had to do it every year. It doesn't matter if you got forgiven last year for the same thing. You had to renew that every year. Every year that sacrifice had to be made in order to keep you uh, protected from your own sins now that was the point that was the subject that was in the context and so uh, Paul is writing and he is saying you know uh, when Jesus came to offer himself on the cross uh, let me reword that when Jesus came and he was put upon the cross. Um, that happened once. And that one time was all that was needed in the physical plane. We know there's a spiritual plane that says that the, he was the Lamb and he was crucified before the foundations of the world. But that's a spiritual plane. But in the physical plane, he only had to be offered that way one time. And then what would happen? And then the people that would accept his provision could get the benefit of it. And that is exactly in the same narrative, in the same way of understanding that once you finish a grade or once you finish a life, that there will be an, an assessment made, a judgment made, before you go on to anything else. Now, if we were living even as many years as Methuselah and some of those other uh, offspring of Adam, we could live 12 lives before we would be equal to living as long as they did. And since God is no respecter of persons, then that means that whether you're going back in time, present in time, or forward in time, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that he has an allocation that I've read to you many times that allows every one of us, every one of us, to have a time and to have a chance. That is a guarantee. So we have that Bible guarantee that we have a time, that we have a chance. And we have the scriptures that show us uh, so importantly uh, so, so, so many, 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 many uh, different important connections. Um, let me... Let me just see something here real fast. Just hang and hold for me while I look up a scripture here. Uh, and uh, we take off from this next um, little juncture that I want to, uh, to get into. Um, we're turning, I'm turning now to 
Matthew 2.16. Matthew 2.16. Now, for the people saying, there's just nothing in the Bible to support regeneration or as some people might call it, but it's not the same, reincarnation. But that just, when you talk like that, that's only out of either quoting other people that have said that, or you're speaking it out of ignorance. Because the Bible is full of dozens and dozens of examples of regeneration. Dozens of them, all through the Bible. I want to show you one that is outstanding. <clears throat> you remember in the book of Matthew, when Herod uh, was uh, mocked of the wise men, and he was very angry, and he decided to slay all the children that were in Bethlehem from two years old and under, because he is determined to kill this potential rising king. And so, it says in verse 17, Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah there was a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted, would not be comforted, because they are not. Now, what that means is that there were many, many children that were murdered by Herod, two years old and under, in his endeavor and determination to kill the babe or the child Jesus. And it says... There was hurt lamentation and great weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, and she couldn't be comforted because they were gone. They were dead. They were gone. They had been killed. And there wasn't anything that could comfort them. And, and it says that this was prophesied to happen. It was prophesied by Jeremiah. Well, let's turn to Jeremiah 31.15. And let's see what Jeremiah 31.15 says. Because this is a very, very important scripture. Jeremiah 31.15. Thus saith the Lord, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel, weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. Uh, this is a... Is a re this is a prophecy way before the time of Jesus, way before that event of Herod. And it's actually prophesying and telling an event that's going to take place. Now, the scripture that we are given in Matthew, I just read it to you. Thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentations, bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. But the subject does not end. That is not the totality of the prophecy of the exhortation received by Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah goes on and says, Thus saith the Lord, Refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. For thy work shall be rewarded, saith the Lord, and they, meaning the children, shall come again from the land of the enemy. Now the land of the enemy was Rome, of course. And Herod was working under the authority, authority and power of Rome, Roman government. And they shall come again from the land of the enemy. And there is hope in thine end, saith the Lord, that thy children shall come again to their own borders. Now, this is an incredible, absolutely astounding prophecy, which says, yes, there's going to come an event in which there's going to be all these children that are going to be murdered. They're going to be killed. And there's going to be great lamentations in Rama. Bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted. But then God is speaking directly to Rachel's and her children. Stop weeping. Stop your eyes from tears. Your work will be rewarded. Those children that you have birthed, there will be a reward for that. It will not stop there, saith the Lord. And they shall come again. They shall live again. And they're going to be born in the land of the enemy. They're going to be born in Rome. But they're going to come back, he says, your children, to their own borders, which means in Israel. In in the Jerusalem Israel areas now ladies and gentlemen this is talking about regeneration this is talking about spirits of young children that were killed and the only thing that could possibly stop Rachel from weeping and she refused to be comforted because she didn't have her children now, the only thing that could possibly comfort her is to be told by God, your children are coming back. They're going to be, they're going to be regenerated. They're going to be born in another land, but they're going to have an instinct. They're going to know. They're going to know that they belong to Israel, and they're going to come back to their borders. They're going to come home again to their borders. And there's, this is going to be credited to you. That's a great work that you have done by going through all of this terrible, deathly persecution. That's just one of the scriptures. There are so many scriptures like this. The Bible tells us so many of the, of the nations that were, were cut off and, and like Sodom and Gomorrah and Bashan and and uh, all kinds of nations that it mentions, it tells us in the Bible that they are going to be they are going to be brought back. They're going to be brought back. They're going to live again. It's in the Bible, and we have to understand this thing about when Jesus went down and descended into the earth and and he and he brought up captivity captive. We have to understand that that we as human beings. 
uh, are have angelic spirits. The the angel of our presence was a, was was once an ophanim angel, and it is bound in our body as it is captive in our body. It's bound in the chains of uh, of our molecular physical being, and it is in a state of. Um, uh, of amnesia and it does not remember uh, its powers and its experiences as an ophanim and, and uh, once you understand this though you understand the need of the physical body for being able to uh, uh, have time for this angel of our being who, who the Bible says we are living in the land of forgetfulness because that's referring directly to this state of what we are right now, living here without remembering who we are. And the question of the Bible is, what is man? Who, who, is, who is Who are the mortals? Who are the mortals, God, that you're so mindful of them? Well, what's this about? There's something else to this story. What is it? And in Job 38, Job says, <laughs> we were the morning stars before the foundations of the world. We sang, we laughed, we danced. We were the morning stars. Stars are words synonymous with describing these angels. And all kinds of scriptures to verify that. Now, as we begin to look into these things, and begin to see these points, uh, there are a lot of things we need to assess and understand. For instance, what is the difference between the manifest regeneration and reincarnation? Well, reincarnation is a correct word, meaning coming back into the flesh again. But the problem with that word and why we do not use reincarnation is it is attached to a lot of, of religious beliefs that are associated to the to the to the meaning of the word reincarnation. The manifest teachings of regeneration do not support endless cyclical birth death until purified. The manifest regeneration teachings do not support do not support karmic the karma reincarnations with the karma reincarnations you do not need salvation you do not you do not need Jesus Christ because you just keep being reborn again on and on and on forever until you finally learn your lesson and you're you're finally purified the manifest regeneration does not teach that. It is not Bible. Now, we understand there's an aspect of karma that's in the Bible. Like what you sow, you will reap. But that doesn't mean that that is there to support the karmic reincarnation. That just means that there are areas in which uh, teaching some, such as this will cross lines. 
uh, and there'll be a few points that, uh, you know, that will have a, a similar touch of, of, of points of consideration. Uh, but um, uh, that is not something that, that is taught in the manifest regeneration. Regeneration does not teach uh, transmigration of the soul, migration of the soul into other other creatures uh, uh, other than you know humans, such as um, bugs, reptiles, and, and animals. Um, we do not believe as the rein, uh, the reincarnation belief of, of uh, the Hindus for instance that uh, a bug out there on the ground or a, a bird or a dog or a reptile uh, is another person but living in an animal body we do not believe that we do not see any support in the scriptures for that. That does not mean that evil spirits cannot enter into an animal, a cat or a swine or things like that. But that is definitely not the same thing as, uh, as incarnation. That is possession. And there is a, a very big difference. Now, in understanding those things, um, we are just then beginning to open our minds to where we can start to see that there are some considerations here for re-ingeneration. Uh, um, <clears throat> and I want I want to uh, I want to get into some more good stuff because there is so much to cover. So much, uh, uh, you know, to talk about. Um, this idea that um, that we only have the one life uh, to live comes from a mistranslation. And then uh, back in, um, you know, the early times of Constantine and and some of the um, council. <coughs> There were a lot of um, of uh, changes that were made uh, that um, ways of interpreting, ways of translating. Um, we, we're not saying that scripture was just erased, but there are ways to erase by just changing uh, how the scripture is laid out so that it, it ends up uh, having a different. Uh, relevance, and uh, we're saying that this was done because it was a, it was it was a challenge to the church. If, if uh, you believed in uh, many lives, then uh, you know that what did that do to the hells? And uh, and if you believed in uh, you know many lives, uh, what did that do to salvation? And so, um, not understanding what the answer to that was. They began to to uh, make some uh, changes uh, that basically, uh, you know, got rid of of the insinuations of 
uh, of reincarnation, or as that we call it and prefer it because it is different and, and far more scriptural, um, uh, you know, regeneration. Uh, they they made these changes, and and then uh, they they made uh, uh, some rules, and they said anyone that believes in reincarnation, let them be anathema, and let them be cursed, and let them be put to death. And those were rules that you can go back, you know. Uh, and you can check for yourself to see that those anathemas, those condemnations, were made uh, because they did not want the people to believe in those things. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are being freed uh, from that kind of anathema. We are being freed from that kind of judgment, from that kind of 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 unfair. Uh, translation. But now, let me say something that is probably different from what most other people would say that was making a statement like I am making. Do I look at those people back there? Do I look at uh, Constantinople? Do I look at Constantine? Do I look at uh, these these priests of the Nicene Creed and, and, and uh, Justin and all the various ones that were high orders of bishops? And do I condemn them because they did this? No, I do not. Uh, because, let's look at this. God sent the cherubim angels to take away the tree of life. And the tree of life would have allowed this longevity so that you would have a lot of time to live many, many lives for working out the time that it might take to overcome and to be restored to God consciousness and the who you are as a Ophanim angel. And God used the, Ophan, the, the cherubim. So do I go back and say, you know, curse be those cherubims that did this, that were following God's order. No, I do not. We know there are times the Bible says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he did things according to how his heart was hardened by God. He was being used as a vessel of dishonor, but he was being used as an order from God. And I think that some of these priests and some of these people that did those things, uh, they did it uh, uh, probably uh, acting uh, in what they believed was correct. Uh, and they did it because at the time God was allowing that to be because of the rejection and the sin that was going on among the people. And because of their sin and transgressions, just as as like the tree of life was taken, so was this understanding of this regeneration, which is such a salve. It is such a salve, ladies and gentlemen, to understand, you know, that look, you either make it this time around and you get and or you get plunked straight into hell. Where you will burn and be tortured forever and ever, never without end. That is such an accursed doctrine. <laughs> Definitely not the Bible. <clears throat> There's all kinds of scriptures that really talk about, you know, rising again from the grave. But, you know, like the grave 
was changed from Sheol to to hell, uh, and are changed from grave to, to Sheol to hell, and so when people read it, scriptures like when David said, "Thou will not leave my soul in hell." He was actually saying, Thou will not leave my soul in the grave. That's what he was saying. He was saying, I'm going to come back. And and Job said the same thing. Though the flesh worms eat my body, though I die, I'm coming back. I'm going to see God in the flesh. And in Second Peter, when Jesus went and preached to the to the souls that were sometimes disobedient during the flood. He preached to them in the spirit so that they might come back and be manifested in the flesh. Because they were going to get to come back. And and it's all there. It's in the Word of God. And that's just a touch of it. I mean, there's no way we could possibly, uh, you know, finish this uh, teaching here, um, you know, tonight. And it's not even, you know, uh, possible. There's so many scriptures I want to get into. But... Um, uh, I want you to know that if you go back into history, there are some very great men that lived that believed. Uh, this the belief of of being able to live more than one life uh, as it goes back, th- you know, thousands of years. Uh, it is something that uh, you know has an evidence and a fact of of uh, of, of that information. So so it's, it's very very important to understand that that there is records of of um, reading that can show that the first 300 years of the early church that uh, reincarnation or as we call it regeneration was widely accepted by many of the early Christians and uh, I think that 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 is that is very very important and I think that once we begin to understand that uh, it helps us to realize uh, that you know just like the tree of life was taken this truth of regeneration was taken away and and we uh, Christians have been made poor you know because of it it has created a verge of a bankruptcy uh, in the sp- in the spiritual wisdom knowledge and helps area because these tools of of mastering how to to uh, conquer uh, the fires that come uh, were not available because they 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 had been uh, you know taken away or or the spirit of them had been made so numb that that there was no vibration, no feeling there, no no uh, unction to be able to discern what uh, what was uh, really you know being said. But but as we as we understand this and as we look into these things, uh, we just come to some incredible situations. Now I wanted first before I get any further though. I want to talk on this thing about John so that um, you have some understanding. Uh, What are the things that they use to deny that John is Elijah? Well, uh, they will say such things as um, Elijah um, in 2 Kings uh, chapter 2.11 
never experienced a physical a physical death. He was taken up in these chariots, uh, but he was transfigured on the mount, so he was still alive in Luke nine thirty through thirty three, and then when John was plainly asked, "Are you Elijah?" He said, I am not. So, what does this mean to have Jesus on one side saying, yes, that's John, he is Elijah. And then have John on the other side saying, no, I am not Elijah. Okay. Jesus was talking about that the same spirit that was in Elijah was in John. John was talking about that the body that he had was not the same body of Elijah. So both were telling the truth. When John said, I am not Elijah, he said, I am not that fellow, you know, bald-headed fellow with the temperament that he had and all of that. Uh, I, did, I do not have his genetics. I do not have his body. Jesus was saying, but he has the spirit and to, to in, in the kingdom world of God that is the everything because it is the spirit that moves from body to body not the same body that keeps coming back into another body and we have to understand that now how does it work out if Elijah and Moses came back and um they were on the Mount of Transfiguration. How does that work out uh, for Elijah still having the same body and appearing, and but not appearing as John? That works out because this whole thing on the Mount of Transfiguration had to do with the transfiguration of Jesus. Not the transfiguration of, J of John, not the transfiguration of Elijah, not the transfiguration of Moses. And what was actually happening was that Jesus was going through all these transfigurations. And Jesus transfigurated uh, to Elijah and then spoke as Elijah. And then he transfigurated as Moses and spoke as, as Moses. And, and, the disciples uh, knew that by the Spirit because none of them had been alive at the time to see what uh, what Elijah looked like much less to have been alive at the time to see what Moses looked like and they didn't have um, you know um, cameras back then and uh, you know it would be very very crude of anything that they had in the way of any kind of, of pictures uh, and made made in uh, art form or or carved uh, you know out of wood uh, so th uh, that would just you know not have been the case there for these fishermen but they knew by the spirit and by the spirit of what was being said through Jesus in his transfiguration as Moses and his transfiguration as Elijah and and they knew by what was being said that that was Moses and that was Elijah and and then of course he would transfigure transfigure to to uh, himself but you know 
if you think by any means that that was the end of the transfigurations that took place at that time on the ark, on the mount rather, uh, <laughs> absolutely that is not the case. Uh, and he had to tell his disciples, you've got to keep these things secret. This is just too much information for the rest of the disciples and for anybody else. Do not blabber this around. Do not tell this around. Uh, you know, you're going to have to wait till after, you know, I am resurrected before you begin to tell this story to anyone. And so that is the story there. And, and, uh, and, that doesn't create a problem. These things that people are saying uh, to try to to destroy uh, the all the other scriptures, uh, including in the different gospels and including what Jesus said. Uh, you, you know, if I was ever to make a choice of believing somebody, I would believe Jesus Christ. He's the Savior. I wouldn't say, "Well, I talked to John; he denied it." So. Jesus is off on a tangent. He's just wrong. Um, I would believe Jesus. I would know that Jesus would know, even if John didn't even know know the constituency of his own self. But in this case, they were talking on two different subjects. And so that is really important. Now, there is something else I'll throw into the pie here. Or maybe I should say into the soup. Uh, <clears throat> in the angelic world there is this thing of omnipresence of, of being able to be in more uh, more, play, more than one place at a time and, uh, and to be in different states so that a person could uh, say be in let's say in the father's house and you could be in uh, what we call a swoo state and a swoo state would be uh, a, a state in which uh, you were um, not awake and walking around, uh, but you were in this this holy chamber, and and uh, uh, you you were um, mentally enabled, but but uh, you were not uh, you were not conscious on the uh, function level. Of getting up and ta- and and walking around and talking to people, uh, you were deep into uh, the uh, subconsciousness uh, connections. Uh, now, when people go into those swoo states, um, and and whether you want to believe it or not, there is scripture for this, but you won't be. I won't be giving this to you today. But when people go into these swoo states. Um, uh, then they can actually have an experience of their spirit going and entering into another body. Uh, say, like the body of a child being born in a mother's in a mother as a babe as as a womb, like John was, and and that's that's along the line of exactly how it happened with Elijah. Uh, he was in a swoon. Uh, his spirit then went and entered into to the body of uh, Elizabeth, and uh, and uh, because he was, you know, he was such a divine uh, person, uh, the Holy Spirit immediately uh, uh, witnessed 
the the spirit of of uh, of Elijah, and uh, and so then Elizabeth became the mother though of of the name that was given by the father, which was to be John, and and so that was all meant and and was all important to show the differentiation of a physical body. The physical body was different, uh, even though the spirit was the same. And so when it talks about he went in the spirit of Elijah, yes, he did. He had the spirit of Elijah, but he had the body of John. And, and that, is, that is a fact. So those are very, very interesting things. And they're advanced. They're advanced. But as science keeps moving forward, and, and you begin to see more and more of the kind of things that they will be doing, uh, these kind of things that I'm telling you now will look more and more plausible, more and more real. And, and there'll be fewer and fewer people that will even have any questions of doubt. Uh, it, it would sort of be nice if, uh, you know, if, if Thomas, if you didn't have to put your hand into the, the wound and, and into the, uh, you know, uh, the side where, where the, the, the spear had, had riveted uh, the side of Jesus. Um, it'd be nice if you could just believe. But it's not going to be held against you if you need that uh, to believe. And, and we have to quit judging one another, and we have to allow that no one knows each other's believing. And that is the book of life uh, that is in each person. And, and in our teachings of eternal justification, we understand that we cannot judge one another because we cannot judge one another for a time of life that someone is in. You can't judge someone during, during well, 13 years old or, or 17 or 18 years old when they just may be, in, 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 you know, uh, terrible people. And then by the time they're 30 or 40 or, or so, they just become the most wonderful kind of people and persons that you could ever hope to, to meet and to, to have acquaintance with. Uh, it just happens. It's the way that life is as people shuffle through the phases of life and pass through uh, you know the, uh, the difficult things that they do. They, they, are, they are shaped and, and, and changed. Uh, also then when you take the understanding that, uh, that when Jesus said um, that uh, you know, when Peter says, uh, how, how many times, Lord, shall I forgive this person? Seven times? And Jesus says, no, seven times 70. Well, that was a total understanding, you know, uh, of a deep revelation. Uh, that, that was, you know, that was taking, uh, was taking, um, you know, um, uh, Peter to the understanding of, of Psalms 90. Uh, Psalms 90 says uh, in verse uh, in 90 verse 9, for our days are passed away in the in wrath. We are we spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are three score years and ten. And if the reason of strength they be four score years, yet is is their uh, strength labor and sorrow. For we are for it is soon cut off and we fly away. And we can see that there is a sign uh, a time that. Has been given to, to, to man. There's scripture that shows that for a while, you know, it was 120 years. 
And that's right in the Bible. Then there's scripture to show that a generation was a hundred years. And you can find that where it talks about the 400 years that uh, Israel spent in Egypt. And it shows right in those, that scripture that at that time a generation was a hundred years. And then it's changed and it went down to this 70, 80 year period. <clears throat> so, uh, it's, it's just very important. Now, the next part of that, uh, then, is uh, Psalms 105. So, if we turn to Psalms 105, we come to uh, to this other very important uh, aspect. And uh, we, f- we find in Psalms 105, it talks about um, verse 6. O you seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen. He is the Lord of God. His judgments are in the earth. He has, has remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Which covenant he made with Abraham, his oath unto Isaac, and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. Now this thousand generations, you know, if you take, if, if you're using the figure, uh, 70, then you have 70,000 years. If you're using the figure 80, uh, as in the scripture in chapter, uh, 90 of Psalms, where we were given uh, an average of lifespan, we're not talking about, uh, a, a generation time, like we would say 30, five years where we, you know, where we have a turnover of a family, you know, type of thing. We're talking about a lifespan. And that's what this is about, a lifespan of living uh, a generation of 70 or 80 years. And a lifespan then uh, being involved in this covenant uh, mentioned in, in Psalms 105, where we are given, you know, uh, a, a thousand generations of time that's going to go on. And and so, you know, we haven't even begun to scratch the 70, 80,000 generations. Now, someone will say, yeah, but that's Old Testament stuff. That's all been done away with. No, I beg your pardon. This is repeated and is shown that it is still, uh, it has not ever been made null and void, but that this covenant has been kept. And you can find that in Galatians 3, 16 through 19. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16 through 19. So we have these thousand generations because this is to give the longevity that might be needed. Now, when when uh, 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 Jesus is saying for, forgive seven times seventy, uh, it's talking about you know up to seven generations. So so each person is allotted seven generations for regeneration. You could be regenerated seven times and live. 70 or 80 years in each one of those lives. Or, if you're born in one life and you only live, uh, three days, well then, you know, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to be born, uh, whatever amount of time that you need to be born to get your time and your chance. And so it could be more than the seven, uh, uh, it is the equivalent of seven, uh, generations. And, and each of those generations are minimum of a seven and up to 80 years each. So that is what you as a person are allowed. But you know, uh, you may end up being born uh, as a baby that gets aborted. 
and or you may end up being born uh, and and uh, you know live a very short time and get in an accident or you may be born and you're impaired mentally and so that is not accounted as a life uh, if, if you cannot reason or have any logic and so then you will be able to come back and have that opportunity of having a life and not being impaired and that's the beauty of it and that's the glory of it and and uh, <clears throat> you know uh, to not believe regeneration is just to miss out. Jesus said, you know, follow me in, in in the regenerations. That's in the scripture. Follow me in the regenerations, and that was that's you know important to understand uh, the 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 repeat of that statement that Jesus was acknowledging and that Jesus was saying, and in the 16th chapter of Mark, in which he says that Jesus appears in other forms. Um, all of these things tie together. It's one picture. It's one story. It's one revelation, and and it it, it uh, you know is is confirmed uh, by the word of God, and it, it is just absolutely so beautiful when we begin to understand that, and uh, it, it, it it and so then this then does something that cannot be done by by. Uh, uh, reincarnation uh, reincarnation uh, only allows uh, suffering to work out uh, your problems uh, but but regeneration uh, understands and allows uh, the full application of the grace of Jesus Christ uh, uh, that we apply uh, to our life and and uh, uh, it it does not take away from that. It does not promote something different than the grace or the salvation. It, it does not take away uh, from the name of Jesus Christ, away from from the glory of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it it makes a better understanding of what it really means when it talks about you know uh, living again and and all of these kind of things that the Bible is full of, which we, in next week. We'll get into you know a lot more scriptures, and we'll get into some uh, very deep and interesting things along this line. I don't know how many of you people have had a chance to read uh, the last blog, uh, which is called um, "The First Love uh, and um, a Cloud Over Egypt." But I would recommend to you, if you get a chance, to read that blog and to please. Please make a comment, please. And also, in, in Starrise Community, uh, the post, there's about 16, 17 posts there. And the last post that was put in there, um, which is called uh, uh, a Spiritual World View, is actually uh, a post that has a lot to say about... Uh, some revelation that has to do with Egypt and some of these things of uh, that we are are talking about. Uh, if you get a chance to uh, read that, uh, that that would just be great. Uh, we're get, we have a lot of viewership. Uh, we've been we've been getting uh, you know as many as uh, as 500 views. That's not any great amount, but 500 views. You know, in a matter of just a few weeks, uh, we, we, you know, so we are, we are, people are reading it, 
and people are 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 uh, interested in these deep things. And I just thank God uh, for the interest that is out there, and so forth. Okay, so we're going to uh, close just a little bit earlier tonight because uh, I'm at a breaking point here, and uh, I don't want to, uh, you know, to get into um, the other parts uh, that I want to discuss. Uh, I don't want to mess up my next week's start. But I want to take a little time here for, for Jin Tao. Um, I want to say this. I want to say that, number one, understand uh, my title of Dr. Jerry Lee uh, is, is um, a theological and has nothing to do with being a medical doctor. So uh, when I am talking about this Jin Tao, I am not uh, trying to claim that I'm using a, a doctor's uh, experience or training or intelligence uh, to produce uh, these Gentile uh, uh, sessions. <clears throat> I uh, uh, am not in any way trying to say that I'm against uh, hospitals, doctors, nurses, and the medical society, uh, or the pharmaceutical society. I just thank God for them, because if we did not have them, uh, for whatever part they are, whatever part they are not, there would be an awful lot of people that would be uh, involved in intolerable suffering uh, without any kind of help or aid at all. So I, I thank uh, God for all that is available in this modern society. And we know it's not perfect, but then uh, very few things are at this uh, time in the junctures of uh, the ongoing of the uh, generations of our lives perfect. But those are all the goals that uh, we and everyone on this planet hopefully uh, are working toward or will ultimately be working toward. So when I'm talking about... Um, uh, Gentile, uh, I'm just talking about it from the sense that it is it is something that God revealed to me, uh, and and I use this to pray for people in a different kind of a way. The old method of prayer was was uh, flesh to flesh, the laying on of hands. Now uh, there is nothing wrong with the old method of the laying on of hands. There is nothing wrong with that. But we do know that as, as Jesus' life uh, began to gain momentum, and as he grew closer and closer to the time of the crucifixion, that masses of people began to know and realize that, that he had uh, healing power. And they also began to realize, as he actually told many of them, you know, it's not necessary that I go to your home and pray for your daughter or your son. Uh, uh, go and they are okay. Uh, I, I have done this. I've done my prayer by the Spirit, and I don't need to go there in in person and lay my physical hand upon them. And and people begin to realize this transition, and they they would sometimes, as he would walk through the crowds, they would struggle to reach out and just touch uh, the hem of his garment. It wasn't just that one woman. If you read in the Bible, you'll see that there was dozens and dozens of people that got into this just 
touched the clothes, not even the flesh, not even the body. That clothes becoming sort of a medium uh, through which the spirit of Jesus could reach to touch the spirit of the, of the persons that were reaching out. And so this is spirit to spirit that we are in the Gentile thing. And, and it is, in a way, a very high level of regard uh, of, 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 of christening the other understanding that when we we are are speaking about the Holy Spirit uh, and, and the Holy Ghost that in that understanding and the quickening of the Holy Ghost that this spirit is coming through time and space <coughs> coming to our bodies and in his Holy Spirit to our spirit that we receive these transmissions but God has also made it possible that we can send these transitions from our spirit, the angel of our present spirit, to other person's spirit, because he says, greater works than these will you do. And he says to his disciples, I'm going to give you power uh, to heal the sick. I'm going to give you power uh, to cast out demons. And I'm going to give you power to forgive sins. And whosoever sins that, that uh, you have uh, forgiven, they will be forgiven. And whoever sins that you have not been for, that have, you have not forgiven will not be forgiven. So this is a powerful thing. Uh, in in one of the um, the books of of John, it speaks of uh, of having uh, the gift so that um, we can reach out to our loved ones. We can reach out to our family. We can reach out to friends or people who are suffering, and that. As long as those people have not transgressed and crossed over and committed the unpardonable sin against the Holy Spirit, then we can reach out and we have the right through this petition to ask life for these people. And we can. Now, someday I would like to preach on this message. You know, I would like to teach on the uh, message that Paul talked about, the baptism, you know, of the dead. Because the baptism of the dead, there's there's a beautiful revelation there. And, you know, every, almost every day when I pray uh, and do my prayer, I pray for my, my grandmother uh, who raised me and my mother. And I pray, pray uh, for one of the brothers that died. And I, I bring their names out before God. And I pray for them faithfully almost every day. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a kind of baptism of its own. I think that the, the world and the veil that separates between our physical life and the spirit life is, is so thin that once we leave this body, we will see just how thin it is and how that, you know, we come back and forth through that veil uh, into other bodies as is needed. And, and, and the Bible says a just man, if he falls seven times, uh, then seven times he that seven times seven times he will rise he'll rise again. Well, on this gentile, uh, the gentile is being fashioned now, so that we have uh, we ha we have um, international capabilities. We don't have to go out and, and put up a tent and and you know get a hundred thousand people to come to it and 
but we can do all of this through the medium of uh, of the internet, through the medium of the telephone, through the medium uh, of uh, television, uh, radio, and all kinds of other uh, uh, propositions that are electronically becoming available. And that is the power of this Gentile. It's going to grow. It's going to get bigger. Uh, it, it, there have been many, many, many incredible healings, and there will be many, many more. Uh, sometimes granted. I do not know the proper way to ask and to give the instructions for the body uh, to, to do the work. Because what Gentile is, is a message to the body, telling the body, <coughs> telling the body what to do. And then the body does it, and the healing takes place. And we're still learning that, but uh, but we're coming along. Okay, so today what I want to do is I want to pray in the Gentile. I want to pray for people uh, that... And this has to do with people that need, uh, that have arthritis or, or similar type of problems. And uh, we're going to deal with that uh, r- right now. <clears throat> hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary to the hypothalamus to thyroid, to the lymphatic gland, to the parasympathetic to sympathetic neurotransmission system, to the cerebellum, to the white core brain tissue in the spinal column. Uh, begin to send messages uh, to the body, uh, to the to the hormones, to the re- receptors and the transmitters. Uh, begin to send messages uh, to uh, align them and to balance uh, the metabolism, and send messages uh, to the coordinate organs that uh, are the creators and makers. Um, and that are involved in in, in converting um, um, uh, various kinds of uh, energies uh, so that so that they are uh, are uh, energy equivalents uh, for me- medicines that are needed in the body, and they are presented then as elements to the body for healing. Uh, I want specifically to instruct the hormones to specifically deal with those persons out there listening right now who are fighting in their body uh, arthritis or similar type of diseases uh, to uh, begin to order the body uh, to use these coordinate organs uh, to begin to create uh, these chemical equivalents uh, that are missing and needed in the body uh, for being able to overcome the arthritic problems that are there in the body. Uh, begin this process now and let this process continue uh, for as long as it is needed uh, so that um, there is a total buildup of the elements that are needed to be provided to the various body functions and, and component parts of the bodies. Uh, begin to send messages to the lymphatic uh, uh, gland system <coughs> to on a um, uh, on a special uh, uh, time of purification uh, to have a superimposed purification of the blood uh, for the, for the next ten days, uh, one day uh, uh, each of those ten days. Uh, begin to also send a message. Um, to the immune system, <clears throat> part of the uh, lymphatic glands, to um, to begin to uh, build up the immune system uh, that has been damaged by other messages and other toxins and other effects of stress and nerve-related stress, and begin to 
eradicate uh, those conditions and to restore uh, the the uh, situation so that the the mind, especially in the left hemisphere, uh, is relieved of the of the stress hormones and that there is anti-stress hormones provided to cancel out those stress hormones and the whole process then to lend itself uh, to building up the body to overcome the toxins, overcome the stress, overcome uh, the nervousness so that the body is set uh, for a a buildup and a strengthening uh, and an immunity uh, to the arthritic type of diseases. There's any inhibitors or blockers or messages anti to this, they are canceled. Okay, that's it, folks. May God bless you. May He keep you. I hope you can get on our blogs. We'll be looking forward to to having you there. God bless. Thank you.